Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey Rob, what do you think of our funky new football in Berkshire branding? They're great, Tom. Who's made them? They've been created by friend of FIB, Ellis Woods, who runs his own creative agency, Flair Media. He's heavily involved in grassroots football and kindly sponsors this very podcast. That's great. What else do they do? Well, it's funny you should say that, Rob. Ellis offers affordable digital marketing, digital and print branding like logos, banners, flyers and business cards, as well as website content creation and management. Go and have a look at flaremedia.online and tell Ellis we send you. Hello and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and him, Rob Davis. Uh, This is our pub, but not in a pub chat podcast we're doing daily to try and keep ourselves and all of you busy during the lockdown. You can see more podcasts from us by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at FI Berkshire and find out more at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Today, our special guest is Hellenic League side Chalvey Sports Chairman Scott Young, who joins us on the phone. Hello, Scott. Good afternoon, guys. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Not bad. Just going a bit stir crazy with not being able to leave the house. But other than that, yeah, not bad at all. Thank you. Um, it, it's uh, obviously everybody we've spoken to so far is kind of in this in this sort of situation. What are you doing to to try and alleviate this sort of lack of football? And uh, and uh, I think it's probably fair to say if you're going to be the chairman of a club, you love your football. Yeah, I do love the football. Um, you know, my involvement with Charby stretches back to when I was when I first got got involved with men's football. So. To not actually have anything to do with football at the moment is is difficult. Um, it's frustrating, but you know I'm sure some of the things we're going to talk about today. Um, I've still been reasonably busy in preparation for what might happen if we've got a football season next year. So, yeah. So regular listeners will will probably be aware that we we don't we we try not to take ourselves too seriously on this podcast. Um, it's a little bit of light hearted uh, light hearted chat. And um, we've actually got quite a serious uh, serious podcast today with Scott about Chalvey Sports and and what the club is trying to do and what the club uh, the decisions the club may have to make uh, in light of the current situation and going forward as a as a step six club as they currently are in the Old Sport Hellenic League Division One East. Um, so Scott, can you just tell us a little bit about the club itself, the the what uh, you know the, uh, the association it has with uh, the area of Chalvey and how you got involved? Okay. Well, first of all, Chalvey Sports have been around since 1885, believe it or not. It's a club that's been based in the village for many years. And um, I'm sure that during that period of time, there have been maybe some sort of years where they might not have been in existence. Um, I have got a league table that dates back to 1894-95 as my earliest um, sort of evidence of, of a football team, you know, playing in a football league locally. Um, but in we always thought that we were sort of uh, founded in 1923, but um, the Ivor Football Club chairman a few years ago was looking for his club history in the Slough newspapers and, and actually found newspaper clippings where we were mentioned in a Slough paper in, in, in 1885. So 
we have got a rich history. We have generally been based in the Chalvey area of Slough for, uh, do you know what? I said Chalvey, it's Charvey. That's the way I say it. I don't know why I changed it. <laughs> um, so, Char- have we all been saying it wrong all this time? Charvey. Well, Charvey is, is the way that anyone from Charvey would pronounce it, but uh, but most people will say Chalvey. So, and I can't, you know, I can't believe that I slipped into <laughs> other people's ways. So, so are we saying it's a silent L? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, fantastic! Uh, actually, a, 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 a silent L would mean chabby, and you know, we have oh, yes, okay. that before as well. So, uh, yeah, when people don't read it properly. But. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's been a there's been a football club around in Charby uh, for a very very long time. Um, my involvement stretches back to when I first started playing men's football. So I grew up in Charby. Um, my brother, who's the, now the first team manager, he obviously we grew up in Charby, and um, there wasn't much youth team football in Charby once the play centres and stuff that we had in Slough started to sort of shut down. Um, so there wasn't any kids teams there for for quite a considerable amount of time. So you had, we had to end up going outside of Charby to play in different clubs around Slough for youth team football. But once uh, once you get to the age where you could start playing men's football. Pretty much everyone that played for Charby back in the days were, were all from the estate across the road from Charby Recreation Ground. So, you know, when, when you start going to play football with these older lads that you knew growing up but maybe didn't really know because they were four or five years older than you, there was a real community spirit about the club, which we tried to retain. But obviously, the I suppose the community of Charby is a massively changed place compared to 30 years ago. So I started as a player. I gave up playing when I was about 24, 25 years old because of injuries. Um, still went to pretty much every Charby first team game because a lot of games because a lot of my friends were still playing, helped out, and eventually became the first team manager, of which I, I was for about 16 years up until about four years ago. And then four years ago when we moved into the Hellenic League, which is the highest level of football that we've ever achieved in in, in our modern history, um, I stepped aside and. Um, yeah, we won Division 2 of the Hellenic 2 East, two years on the trot. We couldn't take promotion the first season because we was a bit naive about what we needed to get into place. Um, but we made sure if we were in the same position the second season, which fortunately we're in the position where we won the league again, um, to make sure that we'd be ready uh, to take the promotion should we be offered it. But that obviously now comes at a cost. So... You know, it, it, this is this is the thing that's on the forefront of all of our minds at the moment with this current financial crisis in football, which has been brought on by the coronavirus stuff. And, and you know, before I seem like I might be moaning about that, <laughs> um, there's more important things in life than football. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's lots of people out there ill and, and, and this, that and the other. But what's important to us as a football club is, the stability of what we've achieved and trying to maintain what we've, we've achieved over the last few seasons. So, yeah. Um, so you mentioned there um, that you weren't in the position to get promoted the first time you won the Hellenic Div 2 East, uh, but you were the second time. Yeah. I guess, to set the context, what, is, what has changed uh, between the first season of winning it and the second season? Well, what led us to start playing at Arbor Park is that we were sort of um, approached by a third party to see if we'd be interested. And I must admit, we we um, we sort of jumped at the idea. But obviously, playing there comes at a cost. So with, with this third party asking us if we were interested, we sort of set up on that in that second season in Division Two East 
Um, and we started playing there in the October because obviously you have to play where you're going to play next season if promoted before that season starts is one of the rules. And of course, most importantly, we uh, we, we made sure we applied within the correct time constraints this time as well. <laughs> so, you know, this, okay. is where, this is where our naivety came into it a little bit because we're quite new. Because, you know, I suppose the league that we came from was, well, it's not, it wasn't a step seven league. It was the East Berkshire Football League, which is a, a well-run <laughs> league that we played in for many, many years. And um, it, it's just a completely different way of running things. And of course, like everybody else, if you're new to something, sometimes these things and details fall between the cracks somewhat. Um, what what made you decide to, to sort of push the club on to the Hellenic League in the first place? Well, we saw a decline in team numbers in the East Berkshire Football League. And I think this is a serious thing based on many different aspects. If you look at local league football, um, the East Berkshire League has gone from six leagues down now to last season they ran three leagues so you've got the Premier Division 1 and 2 but there used to be Premier Division down to five five other leagues um, so we decided that we wanted a new challenge um, we looked at coming into the Hellenic Division 2 as a step up where some people wouldn't say that it was but we looked at that it was we'd be playing uh, different locations and different teams um, and we decided we wanted to take that challenge on. And actually, after we sort of announced that we were applying to come into the Hellenic League, another good, very good local side who we shared some rivalry, rivalry with for a few years in the East Parks League before they folded um, after the first season in Division 2, the linchpin, they decided to come up as well for the same reasons. Um, so it was about... Well, let me say it another way. We, we went into the Hellenic League and we didn't think we'd be in a position where we'd be at that point where we could get promotion straight away. We came into Division 2. I don't really think we thought that we would win the league. And that first season, we won it with four games to spare by, and won it by 10 points. Um, so, yeah, we weren't prepared because we didn't think that would happen. Uh, and then, of course, we wanted desperately to try again because we thought, well, now we're here. It's a shame that we couldn't go up, so let's go again next year, which is why we managed to retain most of our players and, and then carried on for that second season. And so having won the league for the second time, uh, yeah. you took the step up to the Hellenic Div 1 East. Uh, how did you find that step up uh, into step six? Great, great question, because it was a massive step up in lots of different ways. Um, I suppose the, result, the responsibility for um, non-playing club members massively increased um, but the play on the pitch you know, the standard of the players playing against these people week in week out you know you, you in division two you could make a mistake whilst you maybe from a, from your own corner and you probably nine times out of ten probably wouldn't have got scored against but in at step six it, it's so the strikers the midfielders the, the defenders are so it, it's just an overall much better level and um we had long spells last season in our first season where we had some really poor form. Um, and then this season in the beginning, so up until Christmas, we had some pretty poor form as well. But one of the biggest headaches at this level is the playing on the Saturdays and the Tuesdays and the, the extra travelling and the commitment. And that was a that was a bit of a shell shock, I think, for a lot of the players who have been with the club for quite some considerable time now. So mm -hmm. the standards, the commitment... The financial side of things, obviously, is a lot more now that we're at Arbor Park. And the planning that we need to ensure that we've got going into the following season 
is 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 something that um, is a lot more work for you know us, us volunteers outside of the playing side of things. So, so Scott, we we're we're all in a, a an FIB group chat, and and part of the reason we got you on the podcast was because you you kind of you quite openly and honestly said that there's potentially some some problems for Chalvi coming up and going forward because of. Uh, partly because of what's going on in the world currently, and 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 for, so for a couple of reasons, can you can you just sort of explain to us what what those are and those just those sorts of decisions that you're going to have to make at some point? Yeah, well, first of all, before I sort of mention that, I just want to mention that is our intention as a club to stay at step six and in the Hellenic League. That that is our that is I think that's a very important thing to state yeah. because my my phone has been ringing and I have been getting <laughs> texts and what's happening with you based on a few things I've put on social media and stuff like that. But this current situation with um, the coronavirus crisis, um, I think there's going to be a lot more clubs other than Charby Sports that are going to be in difficulty for next season. So you've already seen the uh, the very brave decision by Marlow United to, you know, they've already sort of laid their, set their store out for next year and they've decided to drop back down into the, you know, the Thames Valley Premier Division and, and fair play to them. They've got their ducks in a row really quickly, but, when I, I'd been thinking about it before, but when I saw that and started thinking of the ramifications as to what this current crisis and what's involved with it, um, it really made me think about the future. So, like you, you know, we haven't got our own ground. You know, we used to play at Charlie Recreation Ground. Um, we loved it there. Not many opposing sides did but, but did, but it was our home. And we loved bringing or getting step six sides at our ground and, and you know, you know, this is the other side of football type of thing. Um, so we had to play somewhere with lights. Harbour Park came along. We, we decided to take up on it. Um, but obviously our expenditure went right up. So we don't generate any money. And this is where we might differ from lots of other clubs in, in at different levels of step six. We're not the only one, but we don't have our own ground. We don't have our own bar. We don't have any income. The only income that Charby Sports have are by player subs, you know, signing on fees. Um, up until last season, everybody paid a match day fee, but that doesn't happen all the time for all the games for all of the clubs anymore. So you rely on sponsors. So we've been very fortunate in the last two years um, that we have had some very generous sponsorships from, I don't know if I can say them or not. Yeah, Savills, yeah by all means, yes, of course. You know, Savills, the estate agent, um, you know, an international company who've invested in us and in our community projects at Arbor Park, which have been fantastic. Um, Charlie Workerman's Club, where we're generally based from, uh, they've been very generous for many, many years. And other local businesses, we've, uh, we've got the Barleycorn Pub and Aramex and DHL, and, and we've got all of these sponsors. But there are some serious concerns now, because most large companies are now furloughing workers. Most large companies are laying people off. You know, those those companies that uh, employ zero-hour workers and stuff like that. You know, these people aren't working anymore and companies are losing money. So the concern for, for, for us as a club, because we have to pay for everything with no income, gate receipts don't cover it, obviously. The gate receipts cover the match day costs. So with all this and companies having to make massive decisions about where they're going to spend money, yeah, are they going to be able to afford local football clubs to sponsor local football clubs next season? And that is a serious concern. It almost seems that this time of the year that we would now be readying ourselves for next season and talking to sponsors. But how do you go to a sponsor this time of year and say, can you give us some money so that we can stay afloat next season when they're not 
actually got anyone working for them at the moment and they've got no income. And it's a serious, serious question that I think many, many non-league football clubs will have in the next three or four months, which does put um, the future of clubs at this level, including us at step six, um, it does put it at risk. And, and that's why I thought, you know, in the, in the group and, and stuff that I put it in there, there's lots of people that manage teams at different levels in that group. And um, I thought it was a voice I wanted to take at that particular time. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about the same things. So um, another part of this uh, to just sort of add into what you're saying is um, there has recently been a change in uh, FA regulations uh, regarding ground grading at step six. Yeah. It's come into it fairly recently. Um, what effect does that have on you? And what uh, do you think in general without having to get too political on the uh, uh, on those regulations for this level of football, Rob. I'm just just to explain. I'm not sure what those are. Would you just explain to anybody listening? Oh yeah, actually, go go further and um, uh, explain exactly what the regulations mean for the um, uh, step six sides. That'd be great. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably miss out some of the finer points, no doubt. But obviously, to play yeah. step six, the most important thing is that you need floodlights. Um, you need certain size changing rooms. In those change rooms, you need separate showers. And believe it or not, those showers, you need, need you actually need a certain number of shower heads <laughs> in those showers as well. Um, there have been clubs that I've seen on uh, certain non-league forums that have dropped divisions because they needed to make their changing facilities one square metre larger and didn't do that by a certain time. So had to drop a level of football that following season. Um so it's those 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 regulations I feel, and this is you know this is purely my opinion, and there are far more people out there that know a lot more about this than I do. But I'm now thinking that maybe these rules and regulations at step six overreach a little bit. You know, you've got some very good sides that played at step six for many many years. Okay, they were established, they won trophies, and. Those, these step six leagues until the beginning of last season didn't have didn't necessarily need to have floodlights, yeah? So if I just name a few Hellenic sides here that have dropped out due to lights, I can think of Letcombe, I can think of Headington Amateurs, I can think of Chalfont Wasps. Um, even going further back than that, I can think of Eaton Wick having these problems. Eaton Wick yeah. were, a, were a big competitive side in the Slough area for many years. They were almost like the benchmark of where clubs wanted to reach, Yeah. Um, excellent clubs and excellently run clubs have dropped down from leagues that they played in over many years without lights, yeah, and stayed competitive. And it didn't matter that they didn't have lights, yeah. You look at what Penn and Tyler's Green have gone through to get lights in their ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've done Tony Hurst and, and the guys there, you know, they've done fantastically well to get over, you know, no, the amount of time and money they would have spent to get those lights there. I mean, it's great mm. for them. They, they can now go higher because actually they've been denied higher football because they didn't have those to go up to step fives in the two seasons that they actually won Hellenic yeah. one each. So, yeah. you know, for us, our main expenditure now is because we wanted to play at this level is a stadium that has got lights. Maybe the FA have to reconsider what they're doing here. And I'm sure, I'm sure people will think, what does this guy know? I <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't mind. This is just my opinion. Um, I am sure that if the if, if the FA 
considered that people could play at step six, six without lights. And instead of having a blueprint of having 20 teams in a league, went to 16 teams in a league. You could have midweek games at the beginning of the season with no lights. You could have them at the end. And um, it worked well like that for many, many years. So I suppose my question is, why, why, why the FA not listening to member clubs at this level now with, with the problems that have been there for many years and the problems that clubs, yeah, OK, like ours, yeah, who, who really now have to consider where this all lies in the future. Is there anything in terms of uh, financial support from the FA or anything, any other support that they can give to help clubs get um, uh, the facilities in place for uh, uh, for having a ground that's uh, ready for step six football? Well, there are there are there is some funding you can download. Sport England um, bought something out um, back in the last week, I think it was. We have applied okay. for some funding, um, but it's mainly for costs to get some costs back based on this season. So anything mm. you want to plan for next season, there's a cut-off point. If, if, you know, the funding that we give will not be relevant after, say, the 31st of July, I think is the date, but I'm not 100% okay. sure. So, yeah, we've got some costs still that we need to pay off for this season. Not a lot, to be honest, but we, you know, there's a bit that we need to fork out for. Um, but a lot of the stuff, and, and yeah, look, they're, they're going to be clubs in a lot worse scenarios than us because they'll have people mm. to pay. We haven't got anyone to pay, you know, with regards to people that run the bar, people that do the cleaning in the bar uh, and, and, and those jobs that keep that keeps these clubs going. Um, so we're not deferring wages, yeah? So there's only a limited amount that, that, that we can apply for, if you like, and, and, and that's just, just to get over the, the then and now, really. Yeah. Um, so, Scott, certainly on uh, certain uh, certain platforms on online, especially you know people have their say about different things. There's there will, there's an awful lot of people. In there. There's probably quite a strong group of people that would that would kind of say um, that, that that clubs that don't have their own ground or clubs that have to ground share shouldn't be or shouldn't be allowed to ground share. There's certainly there's certainly a lot of a big group of people that would say clubs shouldn't be allowed to ground share. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to ground share to move up the division. Um, I, I guess, you know, in a way, how do how do you feel about that? Because ultimately, you've moved up to a to a higher level to try and to, to try and play at a higher level, and the chances of getting a ground at Charvy Rec would, I presume, be zero. Yeah, you're right. It is zero, a massive, big, fat zero, and it's never going to change. Um, I, I think that football teams should be able to play at a level that they can reach and afford to play at, OK? So, yeah, I'm talking about financial stability going forward for us next season with the current climate. Um, we had plans already in place for this based on the fact we don't have our ground and that would incorporate the costs that we pay at Arbor Park. What do I think about people that say that we shouldn't be at this level because we don't have our own ground? Um, maybe I'm going to sound a bit controversial here. I think it's a form of football snobbery. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I've always really liked about football is that the game generally has always been played from top to bottom in the same way with the same rules. And I'm not going to get away from VAR. Yeah, it's now a different <laughs> game from that point of view. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't have your own ground, but you've got a team good enough to play there, then I think you should be given the opportunity to do it. Yes, I understand that you could reach a glass ceiling where you won't be able to go any further. Um, it had we have, you know, had this season finished 
and I am obviously figuratively speaking here, guys, we probably wouldn't have finished in the top four. No way, because I think the top four in the Hellenic One East, I think, I'm not saying it was done and dusted, but they they, they were the best sides in the league and, and they probably would have gone up and they would have been prepared for it. Um, would we have been prepared for step five? Off the pitch, definitely not, because it's, you know we've only got a small number of volunteers. Um, but I don't think you necessarily need to have your own ground to go up through the, the, the echelons of non-league football. And, and if, if there's money to support what you want to do, then why can't you go on and achieve it? You should have the freedom to try and achieve what you can. You know, and, you know, if, if we had taken a shot a couple of years ago and it wouldn't have worked out, then we would have just gone back to playing where we were playing before and carried on. Now that we're here, we want to stay here. And if that means sharing a ground with someone else, then that's what we'll do. And anybody that doesn't particularly like that, then, you know, they're in an obvious, very good position as a club to have their own facilities. And fair play to them for that. Rob, was there anything else you wanted to kind of ask about... Um about kind of the, the current situation before we sort of move on to our slightly lighter, lighter-hearted side of things. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say that, uh, like, just adding on to that, that uh, obviously you've acquitted yourself very well since you've been to the yeah, Hellenic Div 1 East. Comfortable mid-table finish last season and then, um, well, better than that this season. Well, um, obviously it got cut short. But uh, the uh, question I was going to ask about this situation would be, uh, what is the other option for Chalvey? Now, if... If uh, step six football does not become viable, where do you where do you see the club uh, next season? It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, well, obviously, we'd like to stay within the national league system, so playing at step seven would be the choice. And obviously, the local mm-hmm. league for step seven would be the Thames Valley Premier Division. Yeah. But being part of the you know the structure. They've got their own issues. We've all got our own issues because the FA have already said there's no promotion and no relegation. So you've got the Thames Valley Premier Division with 14 teams in it. Yeah, there's no relegation. There's no promotion. So you've got 14 teams that can literally say, well, this is where we're staying. We've deserved to get here. I'm not dropping down. We're not dropping down a league to accommodate a side that wants to drop down into our division. And I don't blame him for that because I would have the same attitude for that. So there's actually, if... Let's say worst case scenario, there is no sponsorship. There is not enough money to pay for what we need for next season. I don't know at this moment in time where we would go. Um, it, it, it might not be within um, the NLS. It might not be within that. It might be lower than that. But like I said earlier, it's, it's something that I'm going to do my utmost to ensure, hopefully, it won't happen. It's going to take a lot of work to get there. So, I know that the Thames Valley League have got their issues with accepting clubs that might want to drop down. The clubs that are there don't want to drop down. None of the clubs can come up. So, you know, they can't have any more than 14, 16 teams in their league and they're already at full capacity. So, you know, I think there's going to be more step six sides potentially across the country that might find themselves in the same position. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and of course, it's a, it's an interesting one as well because it's obviously it's not happening now this summer, but the, the FA are expanding the number of leagues higher up. So, so these clubs have got to come from somewhere, and at some point, you know, depending on where Chalvey Sports finishes, there's a there's a possibility you might end up, um, kind of getting getting pulled up with that, and maybe not in a position to to necessarily do so. So on the one hand, you've got more divisions coming above, yeah, and tougher ground gradings at the level you're at, coupled with too many teams below you. So 
it's a real um <laughs> it's a conundrum it, it is and there isn't there isn't a magic wand to fix this particular situation um it's going to be very interesting. I would say, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I know you haven't asked me this question. But, That's right. Um, I'm surprised by the FA's decision. You know, if, if I look at teams, and I know there are teams in other leagues than, other than just the Atlantic one, but if you look at Risborough Rangers, you know, best side in the league, best side we played all season, without shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I think we seven goals to them this year. Excellent team. Um, deserve promotion. They've budgeted this season to gain it. Maybe I don't. I don't get involved in questions with budgets and stuff. I'm not interested. Um, you've got Jersey Bulls, another you know recognised side, and there's other. Is there a Vauxhall Motors side that have already already gained promotion? So yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So you know you've got these you've got these clubs that deserve to go up. They can't go up. You've also got clubs that finished at the bottom that are not going to get relegated, and 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 the season's null and void. I. I I don't know. I don't know the, the ins and outs of everything. I think PPG would have been a better way to go, but that's just my opinion. And I'm sure people might shoot me down for having that opinion because I know that there are pros and cons to those decisions. But at least mm. then we wouldn't have um, this current yeah. situation where clubs don't know where they stand. Yeah. So, sorry. Well, I, no, I, that's all right. That's I, fine. I'm quite passionate about that's it. That's very interesting. That's yeah. why I'm, 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 I'm talking about it. So, do you mm-hmm. just just on that then and then Scott do, do you think it was right to end the season it's just perhaps the way that it's ended hasn't been quite the right one yeah I, I I think it was right to end the season no matter which way you look at it you know even if you just look at your own my own work scenario you know I've, this is my fourth week from working at home my working from home has already been extended until the end of April so if, if you even if you take it on that you know the season's not going to get started again until if it was going to start until maybe the end of May, then you're into pre-season. Yeah. Then, but then you're oh. even then questioning when next season's going to start. So, <laughs> I, you know, I believe that the season it was right to finish, but how it was done and what was applied to finish it, um, I, I would question that. Because of course, at step six, you've got a fairly unique situation as well at, in, at some clubs where they also share with things like cricket clubs and and other sorts of things. Mm. Um, uh, as, as, I don't know whether Ascot I don't know whether the, the races affect Ascot I might be putting words into their mouths there but obviously there, there's a lot of racing at Ascot over the summer uh, they yeah. used to have the Red Bull air races and, and stuff like that within the grounds which used to shut Ascot United you've got Wokingham that share a uh, cricket pitch you've got a number of other clubs that, that and obviously Ascot are step five uh, that's sort of by the by but um, you know you've, you've got you've got other sports that will take place in those in those grounds as, as well, yeah. I, I I would imagine uh, Charvi Rec might have other sports that happen on it over the summer. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> not, not these days. Not these days. Fair enough. But, um, but no, yeah, I mean that is a consideration. I, you know, normally this is the time of year when I start to relax. I, I still play cricket quite badly, <laughs> and uh, I look forward to this time of year, um, <laughs> so I can get away from yeah. you know, thinking about football and actually yeah. partake in the sport. So. Yeah, but you're right. You know, there are clubs where cricket clubs will take priority now. So pre-season gets put back. And then, you know, and if the season just started on the 1st of August, like it did last season, um, we might have only been allowed out of the house from the middle of June or the beginning of July. And and you haven't had any time to prepare. So 
it, it's a it's a massive. I think this this knock on effect is huge. Um, but only time will tell. Yeah. Only time will tell. Um, Scott, we're gonna we're just gonna wrap things up there. Rob, was there anything else you wanted to ask? No, that was really interesting. Thanks. Yeah, really, no it's really a, a side of things I think we we've perhaps not not thought about necessarily and you know uh, clubs are in unique situations uh, amongst themselves so so thank you very much scott for for coming on and talking about it and talking so honestly um we we have one question that we ask everybody at the end of our podcast which uh is um can you uh recommend us a box set or a tv show you're watching uh for all of us who are stuck in lockdown just recommend something that that you you would pass on as, as worth a bit of time um, it's a bit old now, but I watch this all the time. The Sopranos, okay, a lot, break, a lot oh, Breaking yeah. Bad as well. Lovely. Mm-hmm. We've had, um, I think, we've had Better Call Saul uh, recommended. We've had a couple That's of Only Fools and good. Horses. So just you know, through the ages, and uh, it, um, it, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter really. So yeah, all. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so Sopranos uh, for anybody that's not seen it. Um, Scott, thank you very much for uh, for coming on and talking to us. Um, that was the Berkshire Football Stories pub, but not in a pub chat with Chalvey Sports Chairman Scott Young. Uh, you can see more in this series by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. Please subscribe for all the latest, and if you have a minute, please give us a rating and a review. All that's left to say is that it's goodbye from me, Tom. Uh, it's goodbye from Rob. And goodbye from, yeah, goodbye uh, from me as well. Uh, yes, it's, it's goodbye from Scott. So. <laughs> If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.